Well, good morning, Northside Church. It is good to gather together and worship today, whether it's on site or online. And for any I haven't met, my name is Bill Birch. I am one of the pastors here. I see some folks who are probably a little sleepy from the drive home from Athens yesterday, or maybe you stayed up last night and watched the Atlanta Braves. If you are a Braves fan and made some promises to God last night, the offering boxes are right over here. So make sure you see those as you leave today and continue your prayers this evening as well. Many of you will recall that our church-wide year-long theme for 21 is FIT. And we introduced that last January, which seems like a long time ago, when we talked about mental, fiscal, relational, physical, and spiritual fitness. During October, when we are turning our focus upon Christian stewardship, we are revisiting the FIT theme. And it's a two-part series in the sermons. Uh, Next week is entitled FIT Follow. And we're going to talk about fiscal fitness and what it means to be financially faithful as we follow Jesus Christ as Christian disciples. Today's sermon is entitled FIT Lead. And we're asking the question, what does it mean to be Christian stewards as fit people in heaven's kingdom. Our scripture lesson comes from Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 57. As you're able, in honor of the reading of the gospel, would you please stand? As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Amen. And would you please be seated? Up until this point, I have been using code words and phrases pastors prefer in the fall of the year. I've talked about Christian stewardship, faithful stewards, fiscal fitness, and financial faithfulness. Of course, what I'm really talking about is money. And if this was a Star Trek movie, at this point, Captain Kirk would be screaming, red alert, shields up. Because church members become very defensive when preachers talk about money from the pulpit. And let's face it, financial campaigns are not the most exciting things in the life of the church. When was the last time you saw a newsletter from a church with a headline like, Five saved at finance committee meeting. Student called to the ministry while he read the church budget. Ten rededicate their lives at the altar after a furnace boiler repair appeal. Stewardship in the church oftentimes is seen like a root canal. It may be necessary, but nobody really anticipates the process. Therefore, preachers are oftentimes guilty of trying to come up with cutesy titles for stewardship campaigns and for sermons. Some sermon titles that I've heard before and perhaps used include 
money matters. Right on the money. The bottom line comes from above. Fit to be tithed. The tithe that binds. And my personal favorite, the sermon on the amount. And sometimes it just makes me tired. I've shared with you my spiritual journey. I was called to be an ordained minister when I was in my early teens. And when I received that call, I knew two things. I loved Jesus, and I was called to preach the gospel. I don't recall the Holy Spirit mentioning money once. Now, over the years, I've learned how to do stewardship campaigns. I've conducted capital campaigns. But finances alone don't get me very excited. I went into the ministry to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And I do get excited about that. And over the years, I've become increasingly convinced that financial faithfulness is vital to Christian discipleship. And when we free people up to give, we free them up in learning how to live as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And today, I want to address the leadership of Northside Church, which immediately raises the question, how do you define a leader in a local church? And there are several different ways you can do so. Every year at our charge conference, we elect church officers. Our church council, they are the official leaders of our congregation overseeing the day-to-day work of the congregation. Hand-in-hand with our laity is the staff team of clergy, directors, other staff members who work hand-in-hand with our church members to execute the mission and ministry of the church. They're also informal leaders. They're those people that when you're sitting in a class, when you're in a meeting, you just tend to look at them for their ideas as well as their opinions. We have patriarchs and matriarchs in our congregation, older men and women whose wisdom and example we revere and seek. And I suppose you could make a case that we are all leaders because what we say and what we do, what we don't say and what we don't do affects somebody around us. And so this morning's sermon is for leaders. And I want to make it just a bit more personal and not simply ask the question, who are the leaders of Northside Church, but instead rephrase it to ask, are you a leader at Northside? And if so, why? And if not, why not? Let me begin by saying thank you. What you do makes a temporal and eternal difference in the life of others. What we do matters. And that point may seem obvious in this setting, but oftentimes it's easy to lose focus upon. When you come to church and we gather to worship and we come into the Faith and Arts Center and the space is too hot and too cold at the same time, the sound is too loud and it's too soft at the same time. Maybe you had to park further than you wanted to. Maybe you didn't get a front row seat When you came into the space, maybe your room got double booked or the elevator doesn't work, we lose sight of what we're about. 
that we're making a temporal and eternal difference in the lives of others. What we do matters. Thank you. Secondly, I want to challenge the leadership of our church, and I invite you to consider this simple statement. Leaders give, and givers lead. Leaders give, and givers lead. Let's begin with leaders give. We give of our time, our talents, and our resources. When we join the church, we promise to support it with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. There was a little girl who went to visit her grandmother one weekend, and on Sunday they went to her country church. And it was one of those congregations that got really happy in worship, and halfway through the service they got excited and began to clap and to shout, and they were raising their hands, and some of them even began to jump up and down. And the little girl took this all in just wide-eyed. And afterwards she asked her grandmother about the growings on, And the wise woman replied, sweetheart, it doesn't matter how high they jump. It's what they do when they come down that matters. Stewardship's where we come down, where the rubber hits the road, where the talk becomes walk. Leaders give. We have the responsibility, privilege, and honor to model for others what it means to give of our lives to God. And I think it begins with the senior pastor. Several years ago, I shared with you my own spiritual journey and stewardship. My home church did not teach me how to give. I did not learn how until I actually was pastoring my first church. And it was a struggle in those first years. But my family has attempted to be faithful and tried to tithe of our income to God. And the Lord has blessed us in return. I believe it extends to other clergy and to our program directors who call Northside their church home. You can't call others to give if as leaders you don't do so as well. It also extends to our church council, to those who are elected leaders in our congregation. Leaders give. Some of you are old enough to remember when in the United Methodist Church our leadership board was not called an administrative board or a church council. It used to be called the Board of Stewards. And we lost something when we exchanged biblical theological terminology for a business model. Because we are called to be a board of stewards that model that for those around us. One of the things that has disappointed me in the United Methodist Church over the last decades is there's been a growing emphasis on the function of lay leadership in the local church. But there's been a reduction on the character of lay leadership in the local church. I had to go back to the 1992 Book of Discipline to find this language. Church leaders shall embrace, hear the verb, embrace tithing, regular worship attendance, regular church school, and Bible study attendance. It got dropped in the 1996 edition. It's never appeared again, but I think those words speak to leaders give and givers lead. You want to be a leader in the community of faith? Give. 
Give of your heart, soul, mind, and strength to God. Give of your love to your neighbor. Give of your time, your talents, your resources, your prayers, your presence, gifts, service, witness, and yes, money. One day a pastor was preaching about stewardship in the local church and he kind of got on a roll and he said, for too long the church has crawled. And one of the leaders was sitting right up front and he shouted, yes, preacher, tell it. Obviously, this was not Northside Church. And so, encouraged, the pastor went on and said, it's time for the church to walk. And the man yelled, let it walk, preacher, let it walk. And then the preacher said, and if we're going to walk, then we're going to learn to run. And the man yelled, let it run, preacher, let it run. And after we learn to run, we're going to fly. And the man said, let it fly, preacher, let it fly. And then the minister drove the point home. He said, if we're going to fly, we're going to need money. And the man called, let it crawl, preacher, let it crawl. Sometimes money lays us down and keeps us from taking off. It was about 26 years ago, I got a whole different understanding of Christian stewardship in the local church. Bishop Lloyd Knox appointed me in 1995 to the First United Methodist Church of West Point, Georgia. And before I went there, there were some things the district superintendent just didn't bother to tell me. The church had ended the previous year in a huge deficit. They had cut their budget 20%, and they were not making that welcome to West Point. A friend of mine had mentioned a few months before a new book by Herb Miller that was called Consecration Sunday. And I want you to listen to one paragraph in the introduction. This approach to stewardship is based on the philosophy of the giver's need to give and not the church's need to receive. It focuses on a Christian's spiritual development And it recognizes most Christians are victims of bad giving habits and need help in learning how to give unselfishly as an act of discipleship. And when I read those words, it was like a light bulb went on in my mind. I told you I didn't go into the ministry to raise money. I went into the ministry to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And I began to understand more deeply that financial faithfulness enables Christian disciples to grow. Because when we're willing to give up our grasp upon our resources, God can do something new in our lives. One Christian author said that fundraising is humanity's way of raising money. Stewardship is God's way of raising children. And that's why I become bolder and bolder over the years talking about money, because I believe it enables us to grow as Christian disciples. Remember what Jesus said? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In previous sermons, I've told you we think the opposite is true. That where our heart is, our money naturally follows. That's not what Jesus said. It's where we invest our money that the rest of our lives naturally follow in turn. In 1974, Joseph Duran published a book that was entitled The Pareto Principle, which was gained its title from a rather obscure Italian economist of the 19th century. The Pareto principle is also known as the law of the vital few or the principle of factor sparsity. However, it's better known by its more colloquial title, the 80-20 rule. 
And you probably know what that means. 20% of the people in any organization do 80% of the work. It also translates in the life of the church. 20% of the people give 80% of the funds that underwrite the church's mission and ministry. But Christian consultant Bill Eason has a different take on it. He says 20% of Christians get to experience 80% of the joy of giving. Are you a leader? If so, why? If not, why not? Leaders give and givers lead. And we have the opportunity to model that for our spouse, our children, our church family, and the community beyond. Over the next two weeks, we have the opportunity to complete commitment cards for 2022. Let me encourage you to just go ahead and do that. Prayerfully get together, figure out what you want to do for God's church, and then complete that online or put the card in one of the boxes around the church. And do it as an act of faith, an act of leadership, an act of willingness to trust this area of your life back to God and pray that the Lord might make us fit to lead as Christian stewards. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, we thank you that you have entrusted the riches of heaven into our hands and that we are the body of Jesus Christ in this world. Help us to be wise stewards of all that you have given us and that we in turn might return what we have received with interest back to you. Make us stewards fit to serve in heaven's kingdom. In Christ's name we make our prayer. Amen.